0: For tuning in to the Push Through podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I am a licensed professional counselor with a private practice here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I specialize in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And on the Push Through podcast, we're gonna talk all things motherhood, womanhood, childhood, and everything in between. And sometimes random things that are on my mind. So please sit back, relax and let's have a chat. This week's episode is sponsored by the Birth Lounge. Did you know that some studies show up to 70% of women experience birth trauma during their labor and delivery? In 2019, the New York Times featured an article that highlighted how traditional childbirth education fails to accurately prepare women for birth. If you're an expecting parent, you've no doubt noticed the overwhelming information and fear-based education surrounding having a baby. I'm delighted to introduce to you the Birth Lounge, a modern approach to preparing for a baby, The Birth Lounge is an online membership driven by evidence-based information and research to help you navigate pregnancy, prepare for birth, and avoid birth trauma. You will gain instant access to the latest research and hottest topics to help you know your options and explore your rights so you can birth like a queen. You deserve a birth that is trauma-free. Visit www.thebirthlounge.com to take control of your birth and achieve your ideal labor. Use code PUSHTHRU5, that's PUSH, T-H-R-U, the number five, to save $5 off each month. For more information, follow Tranquility by Hee on Instagram. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. It's been a minute, um, a few weeks. I didn't think it would be this long since the last podcast episode. Let me see, when was the last one that went live? It was, hold on, when was it? Um, March 5th. Um, Part one of Women from Our Black History. And today, it is March 23rd. So it's been a few weeks. And you know, I had thought in my mind after I recorded that episode that I was going to be doing the season finale episode the following week. And then Corona exploded. And I kind of had to reorganize my thoughts (laughs) because things just did not go as planned. And then also just kind of navigating everything that has happened really threw everything off. So we're still going to have part two. Um, I'm still going to record that. So this is kind of like a bonus episode. But we are coming to the end of season one. Did I say season two before? I can't remember. But we're coming to the end of season one. And we're going to pick back up for season two this summer. Um, but this episode, I wanted to kind of use the tools and the resources that I have, being that I am a licensed professional counselor, to help people get through This very difficult, strange, unfamiliar, taboo time that we're in right now. And this is just so weird because for me personally, I am 38 weeks pregnant. And this is just a really awkward time to have a baby. And although I'm super blessed, super happy, it's been a pretty easy pregnancy to say the least um, this entire time to just come to this juncture of taking a lot of things into consideration is just very different and very unexpected. I had planned in my mind that March 13th was going to be my last day in the office of me seeing face-to-face clients just in general, because it takes me about an hour and a half to drive to work, to my office, and an hour and a half to come back. When I was noticing that I had a lot of stress on my physical body, I just felt very tired at the end of the day. Um, Seeing back to back clients, sometimes just having like a really full day of sessions and trying to like stuff my face in between. And also managing my household, having a toddler, cleaning, cooking, laundry. Um, I'm on a board. Um, I just do like a a couple of different things. So I just felt just very busy and I was ready starting March 13th to kind of wind things down and my baby isn't due until April 6th. So I felt like I could spend those next two weeks in March, two or three weeks in March. Um, just relaxing at home, doing video sessions and then really just like chilling and preparing for his arrival. That was the plan. And and the plan still went into effect. The 13th um, was my last day of seeing face-to-face clients. And since then, I did move forward with having video sessions just here and there, wrapping up stuff or even transferring some clients to some other therapists that they'll be seeing in my absence, um, tying up notes, tying up billing, all of that. All of that did happen and it's, it's, so great that I planned it that way um, because literally when the 13th hit is when shit kind of hit the fan basically (laughs) in the world, you know, not just in the United States, which is everywhere and everything kind of got real and it became like dangerous to even leave the house, so to speak. So soon after that, I had my doctor's appointment where I have my, you know, regular checkups and it was just different. So I get to the doctor's office before I can enter the office. They take my temperature before they allow me to go in. I check in, leave a urine sample, which is normal, do my weight. And then I go straight back to the room. Two doctors come in and they tell me that they just wanted to sit down with each of the patients that they're having for the day. And kind of have like a serious conversation with mothers that are about to give birth and basically discuss the seriousness of what's going on because there's so many people who aren't taking it seriously. And a lot of people who may be younger or having atypical symptoms still moving out and about, but they can be carriers and affecting other people who are more vulnerable, which being pregnant places me in a vulnerable population. And basically I was told that I do not need to leave the house only to go to my doctor's appointments and then back home. No grocery store, no errands, no bank, no gas station, no visiting friends, and honestly not really even having visitors if I can do anything about it just because... Not knowing where visitors have been or who they've been around or if they have children where their children have been around or if their children is a carrier and just how that will all affect me. So simultaneously as this is happening, my son, um, the school that he goes to in the county that he's in, those public schools were closed because of Corona but he goes to a private school and they were saying that they were still going to be open and they were just going to monitor the news. And so that Monday we just decided to just keep him home anyway, just to kind of see how things were playing out. And he had started having like a cough. He has like really bad seasonal allergies and pollen was starting to set in and we were starting to see those symptoms. So we didn't want him to go and then they call us because they, you know, thought of him having a cough or, or whatnot or what any other kid may have at school. So we just thought we'll just keep him home anyway. And ironically, that day they sent an email saying that that was going to be their last day being open and they had the difficult decision of being closed until further notice. So then that happened. And all of these puzzle pieces kind of fell into place because like I said, I plan to be home anyway. So it worked out. I'm at home with him. My husband works in the medical field and there is no time off, especially in a time like this. If anything, this is when things in his work area gets even more crazy. So it did all kind of work out, but the difficulty in all of this is I've kind of talked about how I'm an introvert in general. And so you would think, that this time wouldn't be a big deal for me. <laughs> but being on what I've been calling as house arrest <laughs> has been a bit of a struggle. And I I, reg- I realized the big, bigger picture, you know, is for my safety, is for my health. Because the doctors were just saying if I was to be exposed to the virus or catch the virus, I would have to be quarantined away from my baby immediately after giving birth. I wouldn't even be able to breastfeed. I could pump and give him breast milk, but that would be the most of it. And that would be pretty much separated from my whole family. And that was, you know, hard to hear. You don't want that, especially in knowing that already when I give birth, I had this idea of having all of these supports being put into place because support was such a big issue for me when I had my first. And then now having my second I might not even be able to use those supports because of what's going on. And I may just have to really just lean in on on what I got in my household until this does what it does. And that's a whole nother thing to kind of wrap my mind around. Plus, on top of that, um, I kind of thought like before all of this happened, oh, I'm going to take this time off, visit friends. Um, you know, there's a group of girls that I meet up with like quarterly. We have like a potluck dinner together. We have plans to get together. There were two events, big events that I was going to be a part of and speak at. I was super excited about that. Everything just got canceled. (laughs) Like, like canceled is like the theme. And I, 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 kind of struggled with the idea of like not even just being able to like go to the park to go for a walk. There was one weekend where Ezra and I had been stuck in the house for like three days. So we went to this school that's really close to us and they have a track. So I said, oh, we could just like walk the track. And usually when I drive by, there's no one there. So I pull up start walking the track, literally like 10 cars pull up after me (laughs) with loads of people like unloading and, and getting ready to do the same thing. So then we had to leave and come back home. And, um, the other hard part is with my mom, she, well, both of my parents are considered as the vulnerable population because they're both over 60, but you've heard from previous podcasts, my mother has had cancer twice. The first one was renal cancer, where she had one of her kidneys removed. And the second one was lung cancer, and she had one half of her left lung removed. So as far as respiratory issues, she's definitely at risk. And then being that I'm married to someone who works in the medical field, who is helping people And is somewhat could be exposed to himself. She can't even come here to see me because I'm in a household with someone. And my husband, it's kind of like it is what it is, type of situation where when he does come home, he has to undress in the garage and he has to take a shower immediately in our downstairs bathroom. And then Lysol and sanitize everything before he can then come throughout the rest of the house. And he even sleeps in the guest room and just taking his own personal precautions to not do anything with us or pass anything on to us and making sure he's very cautious when he's at work. So it's just, it's just a lot. Um, and that was just a lot to process and, So I said, you know, I can just get some things at home done. Um, There are a couple of things left over in the nursery to do. Plus trying to figure out this homeschooling with Ezra because he needs to learn his alphabet and his numbers and his colors, which he knows, but just making sure I keep all of that up. So when he goes back to school, he doesn't just forget things, keep him on a routine, keep him in activities and engaged and, um, Also for myself. So I wrote out like a list of TV shows and movies that I wanted to watch and some books I wanted to read and calls I wanted to make to people I haven't talked to in a while that I can make time for just to kind of keep it on the up and up. But like I said, it's so strange being an introvert and still feeling like I'm trapped. (laughs) Like... And and I think that the misconception a lot of times with introverts is that we don't want to be social or that we just want to be by ourselves all the time. And I think just as humans in general, we have to have social contact in some capacity. And with introverts, is more so of we move in with social interactions and then we move out with social interactions just because it can be draining and it can be exerting a lot of energy. And we like to just do it as needed. Whereas with extroverts, it's kind of like the opposite where they really enjoy and thrive off of social settings. And so social distancing for humans can be hard. And this, everything that's kind of going on can be very anxiety provoking, not only just for people who are older, but for people who jobs mean jeopardy, people who have children, people who don't have good immune systems, and people who are getting ready to give birth. And it's a lot. And it's so different. You know, we didn't live in the time of the Spanish flu. We've never been exposed to things like this, of course, You know we've lived through H one N one and SARS and um, anthrax and the mad cow disease and just all of the numerous things that have come up over the years that we have been here, but nothing to this capacity where we have a curfew and we have an actual law into effect of no social settings more than just ten people and restaurants are closing down and. Um, even if you get to go food having it to be no contact, if it's going to be delivered, having it dropped off at your door and sanitizing the bag that it comes in, it's just like wrapping your mind. All of that is just, it's, it's a good bit. So I wanted to share a couple of tips just to help people get through this time. Because if it, if it is kind of like a struggle for me, I can't imagine what it's like for everybody else, because I, at least I'm aware of the tools That are available to access. But there's a lot of people who just aren't. And are just trying their best way to be able to cope. Because it's a lot to digest and think about. I think like a huge thing that also kind of sits with me is being that my due day is in two weeks. And I went to the doctor again today. And there is no progress as far as dilation or softening of the surface. Which is normal and which is very similar to my first pregnancy. Um, Is knowing that I'll probably have to ride this out until my due date. Hopefully not going past it. But reading how in New York and even in Europe, hospital beds are very scarce. Ventilators are scarce. Supplies are scarce. And in New York, they have passed the law where you cannot have any support person in the delivery room with you at all. It's just you and your medical staff. And that's just crazy. I was talking to my mother about that today and she is from a different generation. And she was like, well, for all of my children, no one was there with me in the room. It was just me and the doctor. So I'm kind of just like used to that. But for my first, my husband was in the room with me and I prefer to have my husband in the room with me just to be able to have like a coach. Or someone that I'm intimately close to, like, that just knows me in case anything goes wrong. Someone that is, like, physically there to kind of talk me through it. Um, Childbirth, like I said, although it's a blessing, it can be very scary. There was a point when I was in labor with Ezra where I went into labor at 10 p.m. on Friday. And I didn't give birth until 5.30 p.m. on Saturday. And it was taking a while for my dilation to progress. They wanted me to get to 10 centimeters, as commonly known, um, before pushing. And I couldn't get past like four and five centimeters. just kind of there. And every time they wanted to give me Pitocin to expedite the process, Ezra would get into distress and his heart rate would drop. And they would rush into the room, put an oxygen mask on me, have me turn, flip to a different side, adjust my position to get him to a comfortable state. And it wasn't until about five o'clock when they've tried to like do this, like they were like, okay, well, let's try the Pitocin again. Same thing happened. He was in distress. And by five o'clock, I had just gotten to nine centimeters. And the doctor said, let's just try pushing and just see what happens. And it was fortunate enough that within like five pushes, he came right on out and he was fine. He did come out with a fever and um, I had tested positive for the group B strep test, I think is what it's called. So I had to have antibiotics when I got to the hospital to make sure that he wasn't at risk for any type of infection as well. Or sometimes the side effect of that is like blindness, I believe. So... That was just a lot (laughs) and that that was like a a pretty routine, easy pregnancy. There's a lot of people who have traumatic pregnancies where they had to suddenly have a C-section and and hemorrhage and suddenly have a hysterectomy, you know, out of nowhere and to think about having to go through all of that with no support person in the room with you at all. um, I just can't imagine that. And in Georgia, I was talking to my OBGYN about it today. That has not happened. Where I'm delivering, there's plenty of beds available. Um, They are worried about the risk of infection because, you know, there's a NICU. There's a lot of things that could be exposed. They don't want anything passed. So for now, I'm allowed to have one support person come to the hospital with me. No visitors, no children. Once my support person comes, they can't come in and out of the hospital. You know, sometimes when you stay, somebody may leave and run some errands or get some food. Once he's there, he's there until we get discharged. And pending, everything goes fine with the birth and delivery. They're only holding people for 24 hours and then going home just to make more bed space. So that's a good thing Um, because last time when I was there with Ezra, I was, there for two nights and three days, maybe. It just felt like a very long time. (laughs) It could have been three nights, but it felt like a very, very long time. (laughs) Like I was ready to go home. (laughs) But, um, so I'm a little concerned about that. But what I will say is a big thing that is helpful to me to kind of get through this time is something that I share with a lot of my clients is doing a grateful exercise. And I might've talked about that in one of my previous episodes, but where either at the beginning of your day or the end of your day, you say out loud five things that you're grateful for. And they're not just generic, plain um, everyday things that you're grateful for. Like we know that you're you're grateful that God woke you up this morning. We know that you're grateful that you have a roof over your head. Those things like go without being said, but things that are a little bit specific and things that could be easily taken for granted. Or even just small things that kind of like helped you be in a better mood for the day. Like I'm grateful that I got a close parking space to where I wanted to go and I didn't have to circle the parking lot for... 30 minutes, (laughs) like even something as small as that. That kind of helps ground you and resets you. And sometimes, a lot of times when things aren't going well, it could be one bad thing when everything else is going right and we can just feel like nothing is going right. Most of the time, there's more that's going right than what's going wrong. We just have to focus more on the good stuff and not allow the one or two bad things to overshadow everything. So I'm very grateful that my husband has a job. And a job that is in high demand. Because I do have a lot of sympathy for the people who are able to work right now. And people who are subject to being laid off because of the times that we're in. Just hearing that my son may be out of school until mid-April, May... You know, he goes to a private school, but he's in kind of like a daycare and those are people who aren't getting paid and that's hard. They have families, they have bills, they have things that they have to do. And I just kind of think about like all the people that are struggling right now. I had talked about how I go to my massage therapist for prenatal massage biweekly or at least once a month. And I had to cancel my appointment once my doctor told me I can only go to my doctor's appointments and home. And they closed until May. Um, So thinking about my massage therapist, um, my esthetician, just how all of them are affected. I thought that I was going to be really into getting my nails done because I got them done for my blessing way. But I can't go get my nails done right now. (laughs) Um, so just how it's definitely affecting small businesses. So I'm just grateful that my husband has a job that is able to support us during this time. And I'm also grateful that I have a career where when I come back from maternity leave, I have somewhere to go to because so many people are having a hard time. Um, my job is is really, really there to help people. And this is something that's a perfect need for people doing a pandemic such as this. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm also grateful that when I decided to not do in-person visits, that being able to do video sessions was even an option. Not just for me to have income, but also for me to be able to serve and help people, to still be a resource to people because they can come to the office, but they can still see me via video and still have their needs met and still be able to cope through whatever it is that they're dealing with. That's something I'm really grateful for. I'm also really grateful for great friends, which I talk about often. Um, Just to have people to like check in, although like it's isolating. Um, two of my friends and I were having like a virtual happy hour tomorrow at 8 p.m. <laughs> via Zoom. And although I'm not drinking, I'll have like some sparkling grape juice. Just to be able to just do that, you know, is something that's awesome and and I'm super happy about. I'm super happy that I have my husband who's been super supportive and just trying to make sure that I'm comfortable um, although that he's working a lot when he is here, what he can do, what errands he can make, because I can't go anywhere. You know, I can't just be like, we'll I have no food in the house. Let me go to the grocery store. He figures it out to get it done for me. Um, he had to go to my office and pick up my mail for me. And... Um, Just do random stuff for me And I'm, I'm just very grateful for that That he does that without being bothered Or feeling pestered at all Just more than willing to Want to do it, just to do it And I'm also really grateful for my son Because I could just be In social isolation at home But I'm with my Three year old, who I just love And adore, and he's so cute And he's so smart And it just you see them so much differently when they're not at school. Like, you know, I pick him up at like 5, 5.30. So I'm only at home with him for like two and a half, three hours before he goes to bed. And then, of course, I spend time with him on the weekend. But you don't, or I don't, really get to see like the drastic jump in developmental milestones. And I can't tell if this has always been there and I didn't pay attention or... If he's made this jump since we've been at home and he's had one-on-one attention with me schooling him and doing things with him. But either way, super smart, super engaged in conversation. Like it's like talking to like, I mean, it's not like talking to an adult, but it is like, I mean, he's just, his mind is just so vast and he just learns so quickly and he's so smart and he's so charismatic and he's fun and it's just super cool like we just sat on the porch and just played with outdoor chalk or we played with play-doh or we worked in one of his workbooks and did letters and colors and we read a book together and these things like he absorbs and remembers and knows and every person that he comes across he always remembers them Um, Whenever my mother calls me immediately, he's like, hey, grandma, like knows her voice, asks for his friends, asks about his teachers. He's just such a blessing. So those are like the examples of things to be grateful for and why that can help you get through this so that you're not so focused on the negative. I know that it may or may not help for everybody, but it's super helpful for many because like I said, there are. There are more things that are going well than there isn't. And then also as far as like having mental health counseling, just utilizing that. Um, I'm a part of something called the Georgia Therapist Network, where we are able to exchange a lot of information and share resources with each other as far as like therapists connected with one another throughout the state of Georgia. So a lot of insurance companies are waiving deductibles and co-pays for people who are wanting to go and get counseling right now because of what's going on to help maintain people's mental health because things like this can really push people over the edge if they've already are in an unstable space, um, having to consider germs, <laughs> having to consider childcare, finances, um, the economy, how they are able to work, not work. It's just, it's, it's like I said, it's a lot. So, being able to see a therapist, I definitely highly recommend. Plus, several therapists have been setting up doing video sessions, so it's something you don't even have to drive to anymore. Um, you can do it from your phone, your laptop, your iPad to be able to have these sessions, and that is just phenomenal. Because a lot of companies are also aware of the strain and stress it's causing on people. So they're really pushing the employee assistance program. Everyone has that, but I oftentimes hear that people don't know what exactly that all that includes. Most of the time with employee assistance program, it's giving people free consultation to get legal advice from a lawyer. Usually it's like a 30-minute consultation. Also, one hour consultation with a financial advisor. That is free as well, and then there's a lot of other benefits as far as like getting help finding child care, getting help with a move, help with um, uh, tuition scholarships, um, finding just resources financially for college, um, child care, pet care, elder care, but also a number of sessions that are free for you to be able to see a therapist. Some of the sessions could be as much as eight sessions at no cost. Or as few sessions as three sessions at no cost. And a lot of the times when you call to get those sessions, you say, I want to go because I am struggling with work stress. They'll give you three sessions. And then let's say you call back and you say, "Um, I would like to see someone because I'm having difficulty with parenting and I want some guidance with that. Then they'll give you an authorization for three more sessions Um, So it's an allotment of sessions per problem that you're having, but it's at absolute no cost to you. It's confidential. Your job never knows that you go or that you even use the benefit and your company has set this up to where the therapist that you do decide to see is paid to be able to see you, but it's never anything that's coming out of your pocket. So that's something to definitely take advantage of during this time. Um, There's some great clinicians that are on these EAP panels that can be able to give you the services and the assistance that you need. Um, So those are just like a couple of things um, to be able to consider. But for me, myself personally, (laughs) um, I'm definitely going to just kind of hone in on knowing that this will pass. And that sometimes we're put in the position to have to sit down and have to be present in a world where instant gratification, social media, just being on the go, on the move, nothing really makes us have to sit back and reflect or be present or be home or just not be in everything and I'm one of those people who likes to just be on the go and like to do this and like to do that and, and likes to work. And and I, I did say I was going to leave at two, but I guess I could leave work at five. This makes me sit down. Um, this makes me be in my home. This makes me just relax. Like, I, I feel like, I, I think I've said this before. Like, I was feeling lazy. I do feel like a sloth. The only thing that I do is... I make breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me and Ezra. I do his academic time with him. We go outside in the afternoon and sit on the porch and he has like playtime. We come, we come in like in the afternoon. He has dinner. We do bath time. We watch a little bit of um, Foster's Home for Imaginary Children, which is on Hulu, which I watched when my niece and nephew were kids. And it's crazy to be able to have my son watch it now. And then he goes to bed. And then I'll watch like some house hunters and then I go to bed myself and that's pretty much our day. Um, some movies that I have watched was bombshell. I really enjoyed that. That was really, really, really good. And then I watched the invisible man over the weekend because now that theaters aren't making money, a lot of new releases are being put on demand. Is a little expensive, but it's pretty much the same amount of money I would spend if I bought a ticket to go to Phipps Plaza anyway. Um, And that was pretty good. It reminded me of Sleeping With the Enemy. And I watched Four Weddings and a Funeral on Hulu. I binge-watched two seasons of 90 Day Fiancé before the 90 Days. (laughs) Very addictive show. Very addictive. (laughs) And um, up next on my list is the Malcolm X... Docu series on Netflix as well as Madam C J Walker. And I want to watch What's Love Got to Do with It again, but I want to watch it with my husband cuz I don't think he's seen it. And that's like a classic. That's something me and my my um my mother love. Plus I need to finish the book Nurture that I had started. And I'm also um trying to prep for life when baby Ellis does get here. And um, just what's that, what that's going to look like. So those are a couple of my worries, concerns, but also approaches to coping and dealing. And I would love to hear from you, how are you dealing with all of this at this time? Please, 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 please share. So I can put it on social media, so I can add it to the newsletter um, and we can all be in this together at home separately <laughs> from one another at the same time. <laughs> Every time I see that I like I see we're in this together, you're not alone, but you need to be social distancing yourself. <laughs> but we are. We are in this together. We're just together in different ways. And we're motivating each other. And we're women and we're strong and we'll get through this. And this is strange and it's weird. But after it's all over it's just a whole nother strength and a whole nother characteristic that we've built upon ourselves that we never knew we could be able to navigate And until next time keep pushing Ay, this is how I feel to have a streak, baby. Rock shit you can't pull on. Black Chelsea, win, win, win. you're clipping cool points. Think it's a coat. Just hit like the roof off. Used to sleep on a futon. Rings got a few on you. Got go like a leprechaun. My girl got a leopard on hey, She rockin', bro.